Hey, now say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I'm here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, and today we got a real one joining us here on the podcast. It's a big, big guest. It actually might even be an exclusive interview, and we'll get into why here in just a second. Um, longtime professional basketball player, NBA veteran. He also hosts the Text Message Talk Show, partner with the Players Tribune, D. Wright. Darrell Wright it is. What's going on, my brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. Man, it's my pleasure to have you. And I'm going to tell you why it's my pleasure to have you, because on Sunday, I text you and I'm like, yo, D. Wright, you know, I wanted to see if I can get you scheduled and come on the podcast for Wednesday. I usually uh-huh. schedule my guests on Wednesdays. And so you hollered back at me. I was like, you know what? Wednesday might not be so good of a day for me. Let's try Thursday. All right, bet. We're going to make it work how we got to make it work. But what you didn't tell me was that the reason that you wasn't available on Wednesday was because you was announcing your whole retirement from the game. (laughs) Yeah, man, I've been been sitting on it for a minute. I I had some other stuff in motion, so I wanted to make sure all that stuff was going uh, as planned. So that was the day I picked, like, man, I'm just going to let everybody know. Cause you know, people always ask me, are you playing? Are you playing? You done? And I'm always giving people, you know, half answers. Like, oh, I don't know. But deep down I've been knowing for, you know, probably the last year that I went to Europe that, you know, it was going to be my final season. Absolutely. And we're going to get in, obviously, a lot more of your basketball career, but I do want to stick to this a little bit. And on this podcast, we weave it all in politics, culture, hip hop, music, everything. The first thing I want to ask you about is when I went and I saw your retirement post, you had the graphic, you was in front of the house, I'm guessing in L.A., which is your your neighborhood, your hometown. Uh You had all your jerseys hanging up and then I swiped. Right. And then I saw the same graphic. But then I heard. Ring ding dong, ring <laughs> ding ding ding, banger. Yes, sir. <laughs> what made Man, you? That was so fire. Yeah, what made you pick that song in particular? So I got to give all the credit to Art Mob when it came to that. I it was my vision as far as that picture is from the my childhood home where I grew up in, and I did that photo shoot for Dime Magazine in 2010. Okay, and I always knew that was a picture I wanted to have my jerseys in the back. I uh, had a, uh, my favorite shoes in high school on the wire. So he was the one that picked the, the song. I did all – I had the vision on the, on the picture. So I got to give all the credit to Art Mob. He killed the picture, and he killed it with that song. That was a perfect song. Great song. Great song. I thought I was I thought I was watching Smokey drive down the street. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and the funny, thing, the funny thing is I grew up off Imperial and Western. If you okay. remember what they say, it was on Normandy and Western. So that's right down the street from me, man. Oh, so yeah, that's hard. You can make more sense. Nostalgic, man, nostalgic. But I want to talk about what you're doing right now. Like I said, we'll get more into the hoop stuff and some of those particulars. But right now, man, you got what I think is, I would say, a top five concept in 2020. And yeah. we're in a year, it's a pandemic. Obviously, everybody has kind of get had to get in their creative bag and really be on their shit and trying to figure out what they could do to separate themselves as content creators during a pandemic where everybody is like, I at least have time to give it a shot. And you came up with this concept, the text message talk show. Tell me more about how that concept came about and we'll get into some of the interviews because I got some questions I'm ready to flip back on you that you sent to some of the guests that you've had. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, I knew, I'd been knowing for a few months at the Players Tribune, they were looking for somebody to do something, somebody that had a a large uh, Rolodex of friends and entertainment and, uh, and, you know, different celebrities. So 
uh, when they reached out to me, you know, I had my own mind made up as a podcast, bringing people on, you know, and, you know, they was like, what do you think about a text message show? I'm like, what you mean? Yeah. You know, I'm kind of taking it a little personal. I'm like, hey, so I got a smile, a nice laugh. People are not going to be able to feel my personality. What do you mean by that? So, you know, they explained it. Uh, my first run was with Nate Robb and Q Rich, and they killed the interview, and they made it, they, they killed it so much where we had to make it an episode. So uh, once, you know, we did that first episode, I was like, I see the vision. So yeah. that, that, that credit goes to the Players' Tribune. I'm just happy that they picked me. Uh, to be the person that really break, you know, a text message talk show, which is unheard of. Nobody knows what or ever thought of that. It's no, crazy to me. So, it's crazy. Yeah. So salute to Player Tribune for giving me that opportunity for real. It, it really is crazy because I got a cousin. His name is Simba. You might. He's been having a freestyle circulating this week. Brown reposted it. It's been going crazy. Okay. Yeah, he, signed, yeah. he signed to Atlantic. He lives out there in L.A. too. But yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my cousin. So. Interestingly enough, before he released that L.A. Leakers freestyle that just went all over the place, yeah. he, he sent it to me on Saturday before I okay. was released, right? And at the time, I had just got done talking to Coach Jones. Shout out to Jones for, for linking us two together. Sure. And I had started looking through your talk show. And I'm just, okay. I'm just sliding and swiping and sliding and swiping, and it felt normal. All and right, so right. I don't know if I was just blowing smoke or if you just kind of had me in my marketing bag, but... At that time, <laughs> when Cuz sent me the video, I hit him right uh-huh. back and I said, "Look, I'm look, I'm watching the, I'm looking at the text message talk show right now. It's uh-huh. a dope concept. I'm sliding and swiping." I said, "When you post that freestyle, it's so hard. Don't post it as an IGTV video. Make oh. sure we got the swipes because it's so much more natural for us to slide and swipe on our on our phones, even when it comes to production, which we often look at as like video and audio." I'm yeah. like, cuz, make sure you do that because the engagement factor is so natural and and, oh, and it's so big. And he literally hit me back after his shit went viral the other day and was like, Cuddy, you right. I was about to drop it as an IGTV, but my numbers is going crazy off the crazy. swipes. And, and, and literally that conversation came from me looking into your text message talk show because I knew I was about to have you on here. That's killer, bro. That's, That's killer. killer. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I think, well, IGTV, is that when you have to press continue to watch or something yep, like that? Yep, exactly. It's so many videos, I'd be like, I'm out. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, I didn't even know if I knew what I was talking about at the time. Right. Like, it wasn't really no science behind me saying that to him. It was literally me being engaged in your content and telling him, this is how you need to release this content. Cause I knew the freestyle was off the charts. Once I yeah, saw it, crazy. I'm like anybody that hears and sees this freestyle, it's undeniable. Now, that's how do we get the most engagement? And that shit just came out of my mouth because I was, you know, tuned into your show. So I, I had crazy, to, bro. I had to let you know that, man, you looped in yeah, the culture solid. even ways you may not necessarily know how. Hey, you know, <laughs> I love to hear bro. That's what it's all about, man. Putting our, our, uh, our brothers on, man. We, so we talk about the group ep- economics so much. Yeah. Uh, in the black community, you know what I mean? Cause other cultures, they do that. You know what I mean? So for you to, you know, see that and give him that free game, that yeah. was, that's big time. So we just got to keep building like that, man, looking out for our brothers, bro, because, I think we got to do a way better job than that, putting our brothers on, putting our brothers in position to win. Absolutely, 100%. Now I got to ask you the tough question, right? Because I saw you dish the tough question out first. You dished it out out on your show to KD. You said, KD, 
Who's the better fan base? Is it OKC or is it Golden State? Mm. KD, what he didn't bite. He didn't bite the bait. He, he, he refused to answer. That. He wasn't going he wasn't for going it. For he wasn't going. He already knew the backlash he would have got off hey, of that. Exactly. <laughs> but D right. But D right. You just retired a few days ago. Yeah. So you played for Miami. Mm-hmm. You played for the Warriors. Yeah. Best. I'm from the Bay. Shout out to the Bay. I live in Portland. So you okay. played for the Trailblazers. Yeah. And then, if I'm not mistaken, you played for the Sixers for a little yep. while, right? Yeah. Rank those fan bases worst to best. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go, and this is no diss to none of the teams that I'm wrong. Facts is Golden State, is Portland, is Philly, and then is Miami. And I'm gonna tell you why. Golden tell me State, die hard fans. They don't give a damn if you owing eighty two. They gonna be there. They gonna ride. Uh, when they see you out in public, they're going to, you know, they're going to show love. Love it. Yeah. Portland, pretty much the same thing. Sold out crowds, good people, great town. They love basketball. It's the only sports team. Well, it was the only major sports team there for years. Now they have the Seattle Sounders, the, uh, I mean, not to see it, the Portland Portland Sounders. Timbers. Portland Timbers. Yeah, Timbers. yeah, Timbers. yeah they, they're rivals with the Sounders. You, you, okay, there you, you go. There, you in the ballpark. Exactly. So, you know, they, they, they're there, uh, you know, as the main team. So they show love. So I'm going to go with them. Philly, you're not going to get any better fans than that. Okay. They are, are so hot and cold. You just got to it, – it's the funniest thing ever because Doug Collins was my coach that year. And, you know, you get off to a bad start. I'm talking about – it could be three minutes into the game. Yeah. <laughs> three minutes into the game. And if the game is not going the right way, boom! <laughs> <laughs> You're like, damn. <laughs> the game just started, bro. Yeah, like, y'all gotta relax, bro. Yeah, that's crazy. So, that's one thing I can say about the uh the Philly fans. They're either hot or cold. You're winning, they love you. You know what I mean? It's not so much love in the streets, but in the arena around town is it, love. But that they're they're third in Miami, they're everybody just too cool in Miami. So yeah, you know they get to yeah. the game, they they do cheer. Uh, they do uh, participate, you know, when you see white and hot and the whole crowd is dressed in white. But they they like they they tend to get to the game a little later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Celebs out there. They fashion yeah. they fashionably they fashionably late like Jeezy and Gucci Mane was exactly. last night. Yeah, 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 oh yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we're exactly. gonna talk a little bit about that too. Okay. But 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 I do got another question for you, right? Because I actually played against your brother, Delon Wright, okay. who's currently in the league right now. Um, he's with the Grizzlies. He's with the Grizzlies. No, he's with uh, Dallas. Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks. Um, and I played against Delon twice in college. Actually, I played him at DVC when he was okay. at City College. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a big time battle. I think at the time we was one in the state. They was three in the state or two in the state, and they end up getting us by four. Delon playing a major role in that. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I also <laughs> played against him, and I went to a smaller school. I played against him in an exhibition game when I went to Pacific University and he was at okay. So we got to chop okay. him up here, obviously. You know, Jones, I knew his, I knew his boy Joe Slocum used to play against him in high school. Right. My question to you is, you got to live the hoop dream of being drafted, mm-hmm. playing in the NBA, and I'm sure, like, it's, it's an unmatched feeling when it comes to the gratification of being able to do that because so few of us actually get to accomplish that who have that dream. Yeah. What was the difference in gratification when you saw your little brother make it to the league, though? 
is it was just crazy. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna keep it all the way 100. Marcus Williams gave Delon a stamp in like 2008, 2009 when he first started playing with us, and he was like Delon a pro, and I used to be like. I don't see it. I'm sorry. Yeah. He moved slow. Uh, he, he didn't score the ball like how I scored. He, you know, he didn't have a handle, but he did all the small things that you need on the team. He's going to get the offensive rebounds. Yeah. He's going to get the steals. He's going to get deflections. All the stuff that a coach loves in a, in a player. So once he started putting everything together and he got to City College and Justin did a good job with him. Uh, Coach K did a great job with him at Utah. I was like, okay, I can see it now. Like, everything's coming together. He's not this big, goofy kid no more. And then to see him get drafted, I was like, dude, this is – like, I feel like as a big brother, I did my job. Yeah. I was a great role model. Uh, you know, I, I, I've gotten to, you know, BS, but those are, you know, little obstacles for him to learn from. You see me make these mistakes, don't do this. You know what I mean? So just to see him make it, man – it was crazy, bro, because it's 450 guys in the NBA. Yeah, it's, yeah, so few. It's right. Big people around the world that's trying to get there, and, and for two people to live in the same household and get to the lead, that's, that's crazy. That's wild. That's wild, wild bro. bro. I was that's definitely, wild. definitely uh, excited for him, way more excited than I was even for myself. Absolutely, man. That's so dope to hear. Like I said, I, I'm the youngest and I know, you know, in my own right, I, I know when my brother is proud of, of some of the things that I've been able to do and accomplish, you know, in my own career professionally, um, especially. But I, I do want to ask you about what was your best story from when you played in Miami? And it doesn't have to be on the floor. It can be off the floor because I know you probably seen more off the floor than you saw on the floor out there. No, that's a fact. Uh, yeah. that's a fact. <laughs> what comes to the top of the head when you think about your time back in Miami? You were a okay. champion in Miami too, by the way. Yeah. I don't think we said that in the introduction, and that must yeah. be acknowledged. 06 champ. 06 yeah, so champ. On the court, my favorite moment was for sure winning a championship. Uh, not really ever winning anything as a, a kid. I won like one major baseball tournament uh, that we got rings from uh, Gary Sheffield. That was super dope. But winning a championship was on a whole nother level, man. So that'd probably be my on court. And off the court was any party Shaq had. He had the craziest <laughs> parties ever. You're going to pull up, there's going to be lions, tigers, and bears there. <laughs> People shooting fire out their mouth. You know, I'm 18, 19. I'm like, yo, this is wild to me so Shaq parties for sure was top of the line absolutely absolutely now I also got another question for you because I, I'm a fan of the sport obviously I acknowledge your content when I say the sport I'm not talking about basketball I'm obviously a fan of that too but I'm speaking more so to content creation mm -hmm. and so you know I listen to the million dollars worth of games and I know Gilbert Arenas has his podcast a lot of guys are in this space and I like to go check everybody out when I can but I've been seeing these conversations from, and, and we hear it in the GOAT debate as well in regards to um, the eras and right. one era maybe being a bit tougher than today's era, the Jordan era, even the Kobe Shaq era. Um, and really you kind of see this last decade um, of the 2010s, especially since the Warriors kind of changed the scope of the league. Um, guys like to call today's game soft. You just retired. Obviously, you played overseas as of late. Do you feed into that, you know, into the relationships guys have today that may differ from the beginning of your career, the physicality of the game? Like, what are your thoughts on that generally when guys compare errors? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say soft. I think guys are bigger, faster, and stronger. So it's entertainment at the end of the day. Yes, these are uh, high-level athletes. It's entertainment. And I feel like the NBA does a great job with adjusting and dictating where offensive guy go and stuff like that. They change that, you know, for, yeah. for you know, more showtime. You want to see more dunks. You want to see more threes. You want to see stuff like that. So I wouldn't say it's soft. Of course, back in the day, I don't think the skill level was as high. You know, you could say that as well, but they were dogs, you know? Yeah. So – I think it's unfair to say that the game is soft and stuff like that. So I just feel like the, the lead adapts with the talent and, you know, uh, and they, they satisfy their fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to dig into a little bit more of the politics stuff, too, because obviously we've seen the uprisings this year, um, you know, after the murder of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, the list goes on, unfortunately. But um, I've never seen uprisings, especially within the NBA, the way I've seen as of late. Um, mm. Obviously, you spent a significant amount of time in the league. Uh, what was the difference in kind of now and seeing these guys use their voices in an unforeseen way in comparison to maybe your earlier years in the league uh, up until you left to go play overseas? I, one thing I got to do is give credit to uh, Adam Silver. He listens to the players he understands, uh, and he gives the players their platform, and that's what it's all about, man. We're it's like LeBron say, not to be so cliche. It's bigger than basketball. We're more than athletes, and we do have a voice. We do have an opinion on certain stuff, and it's like, why can't we voice our opinion? Just because you know we're making millions of dollars, and you know uh, we got a big fan base, and whatever the case may be. So the fact that the NBA is allowing people to use their platform and, and, and use their voice is why the NBA is the best lead around around uh, around the world. So yeah, I always salute the Players Association and Adam Silver for listening because that's yeah. the biggest thing: listening to the voices, listening to these to these people with these big uh, platforms, man. So it's like, man, you know, they get it. I, I love that you acknowledge that the, the NBA is the best league in the world, but I actually want you to speak more to the significance of you going and playing ball overseas, um, because that's another way that a lot of guys who may not necessarily be able to make it to the NBA can still accomplish that hoop dream. Um, speak to the significance of, of your time overseas, you know, maybe a little bit in comparison to the NBA and where it might've even been some pros and some cons based on your overseas yeah. experience. Well, the, the pros are definitely, you know, it's high-level competition. You know, you're getting the guys that are, like, on the cusp of being NBA players or were NBA players and had to go over there and, and, and you know, find their game, learn how to play the right way, and they come back. You hear a lot of those stories. So uh, I think it's high-level basketball. Uh, it's high-IQ basketball. And, you know, they just – they go about things a little bit different. They're kind of behind – on like, you know, the things we do here on the States as far as like practice and, and staying off your feet and days off, they yeah. don't get that yet. You know, they feel like if, if, if you're working, you're getting better. Yeah, so yeah. I, think, 
I think the high level teams are starting to get it and trying to adapt to like that NBA culture because you know you go over there, you're practicing two times a day, two three hours a day. Yeah, that's all day. You know they trying mean? to they trying to catch up to us over here when it comes to that hoop exactly. shit, huh? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, those, those are definitely the pros. The cons is you know the travel sometimes is rough on you. Uh, you're probably not getting the best uh, medical. So it's, it's all those little things that you know that can be 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 uh be worked out it could be you know adapted over there if they just do the proper research and hire the right people to help them do that so those are definitely the cons but it's high level basketball you can make great money yeah uh, you can visit countries you never thought you would visit playing countries you never thought you would visit or see so i think it's, it's it's a great experience and i think guys gotta understand that that is an option as well man to go it's so much basketball over there so always keep your mind open and it's not always about NBA. You could go over there and make millions. It's guys over there making four or five million dollars a year. Damn. Tax dollars, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of positives. That's hard. That's hard. Uh, I want to ask you what your thoughts is on kind of, because I'm in Oregon, right? They decriminalizing drugs in Oregon like right. IHOP slang hotcakes. Um, right. I want to know what's kind of your thoughts in regards to like, A, a lot of these retired players getting into the cannabis business. Obviously, you got the Gary Paytons, you got the Sean Kemp's. We know Stephen, you know Stack Jacket, Matt Barnes. Like we, we, it's countless players that are getting into that. Um, unfortunately, you know, shout out to Clay. Prayers with him, but Clay, you know, before obviously tearing his Achilles, came out and endorsed how CBD was a huge part of his recovery. Um, yeah. But now that obviously kind of marijuana in particular is becoming a lot more mainstream and it's being a bit more promoted within the game, whether it be through retired players or even current players, what are your thoughts on that and kind of, you know, how that fits into the sport of basketball? And you can speak to the good and the bad of it. I, I love it. You know, if, uh, if guys are being responsible, that's the number one thing. And I, and I think that's probably why, you know, it's been looked so bad you know, for so many years is when you're driving, you just, you know, when you're not being smart about it, you're not being responsible, responsible about it. I feel like that's the problem. But if you're doing it in your home, you know what I mean? You're not putting anybody in danger or whatever it is. I'm all for it. And I, and I love the fact that these guys are doing the proper research. They're not just jumping in this saying, I want to endorse weed because I either like using it or, you know, I know I can make a lot of money. I think these guys are doing the proper research to see that, hey, this helps me recover. This helps the pain, you know, from me. Because right now I got knees, ankles, and yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So yeah. They're doing their research like this helps me. This works for me, you know, rubbing CBD oil on, on your knees and for your joints and stuff. So I respect it, man. You know, I, I feel like if they're doing it responsible and they're endorsing it and the youth and the parents at home are really explaining to their kids why, you know, this is important for them. And, you know, at this point in your life, you can use it. Yeah. Been, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's real. Parents got to, you know, do their job as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. That's real. If you would have went to college, who would you have played for? I probably would have went to UConn. With, UConn. Uh, yeah. Charlie Villanueva, Marcus Williams. Woo. And, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, so I didn't go and then Rudy Gay ended up going there. Uh, that year so what, whatever that class was it was a, it was a solid team yeah for sure for sure what made you say no college uh when 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 that scouts and those people was calling me <laughs> telling me i was gonna be a first round pick i was like 
And, and that was the, the deal breaker. My mom and dad said, if you're a first-round pick, you could go. If you're a second-round pick or, you know, not drafted, go to college. So yeah. it was definitely a, a risk, and, and, and it worked out. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Who was your favorite player or who was the best high school player you'd ever seen before? I know you've seen a lot of them in L.A. growing up. Obviously, you probably played against a bunch of them. And then you had a little brother who had an era of his own playing high school ball out there. Um, who would you say was just the nicest, filthiest high school basketball player that you put your eyes on and watched live? So for me, it was for sure Tyson Chandler. I used to watch all his games. Tyson Chandler, Wesley Stokes, and Tito Maddox. People got to look up Wesley Stokes and look up Tito Maddox. Tito Maddox ended up going to uh, Fresno State, and then he got drafted or picked up by Houston Rockets. So he was he had a little short uh, stint with the Rockets. You know, a lot of off the court stuff. Yeah, with him got him uh, you know out the league, but in high school. All three of them were straight dogs. Yeah, dogs. yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. For me, I think it was uh, it was Demarcus Nelson. Demarcus, oh, Nelson. Demarcus Nelson was. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. He was crazy. So, so his little brother Darius was my childhood best friend, and so okay, we used to go to the games in Vallejo. You know, out in Vallejo when he played at Vallejo High, and me and Darius would literally sit there and before the game and try to predict how many points DeMarcus had put up that night. And it was always in the 40s and 50s. Like, we're predicting he's going to score in the 40s that night. And he and he delivered all the time. And I think to this day, if, if I'm not mistaken, to this day, he's the all-time leading scorer in California in points. That's I think, crazy. I knew yeah. he, he had the state in, in scoring for a few years. He was cold. He was cold. <laughs> I was blessed enough to uh, hoop with uh, DeMarcus in uh, USA camp. When we all went to USA camp our senior year, and I'm like, yo, this dude right here scores at a high level. He's strong. Yeah. And he going to Duke. Like, that That was crazy. A West Coast guy going to Duke. Duke like, yeah. what? And, and he was That's committed crazy. early, like, in, as yeah, a sophomore. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was, I remember. That was dope. It's crazy, man, because that was that was a real significant part of my childhood. Because you know, I, I remember, you know, my dad owned a sporting goods store in Vallejo at the time, and his dad used to come through, and Demarcus would have all these coaches calling him because he was only committed; he hadn't signed anything, yeah. committed so early, and his dad never wavered when it came to other coaches calling and and Demarcus going anywhere else other than Duke. Um, you know, he, he turned everybody down over those like two to three years that DeMarcus was committed before he signed. Um, let's take it to the culture, though. I see one question that you like to ask folks on the text message talk show is to name their top five greatest rappers of all time. But I want to narrow it down for you. I want okay. Darrell Wright's top five L.A. rappers of all time. OK, I like that. So number one. I'm going to have to go with Uncle Snoop. That's Mando. Off tops. Number, yeah, number two, DJ Quick. Okay, I like That's it. Mando. The greatest, the greatest West Coast sound ever was created by DJ right. Quick. <laughs> Fact. Number three, Sugar Free. Why, you bullshit? <laughs> you feel me? Sugar Free. Yeah. Um, four, we'll have to go to, um, I'm going to get at the YG 400. Just for the culture in my era, he was one of the coldest. Yeah. And five, I might have to go with, I think I'm going to have to go with Mac 10. Mac 10 was killer, too. Mac 10 was killer, for sure, for yeah, sure. Mac 10 was killer. He put on for the city. And uh, and 
Yeah, Mac 10. Yeah, Mac yeah. 10 would be my fifth one. I yeah. definitely got to throw YG because I love the ratchet music. He performed at my wedding. So, oh, wow. Uh, That's dope. Bow hunting for sure. No Kendrick? No Kung Fu Kendrick. Kenny? <laughs> you know what? I forgot about Kendrick. Man. <laughs> I might have to slide him to like four and YG to five uh, and Mac yeah. 10. Mac yeah. 10 six. He, he off the, the bubble. Yeah, he off the yeah. bench. He, he on the outside I, looking in. <laughs> I dropped the ball on that one. I forgot about Kendrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, and some of it probably just has to do with, like I said, eras and where you, with the time you grew up in and, and, sure, who, sure. and who resonated during your childhood time. Nostalgia plays a lot, I feel like, in those conversations and when most people rate these rappers. Like, I feel like that's probably the most underrated factor that plays such a significant role when you hear a lot of these rankings because it's all subjective, you know what I'm saying? It's all dependent upon the individual, so it would probably have to take a particular experience for a person to come up with who they perceive to be the best in that particular case. But um, you retired, man. You retired now, man. What's the plans for for retirement? What can you announce, or do you got some stuff that is on the way that we can't know quite yet? Can you break it to us? I mean, this is an exclusive interview, man. I got you on the podcast the same week you retired from Hoop, bro. That's crazy. Facts. I wish I could tell you, but it will be in sports. It will be in basketball. I think they're going to announce it on Monday. Okay. And I'm I'm super excited about it, man. It's going to be some great things that I'm going to be doing. Uh, the best thing about it, I'll be able to be in the community, giving back, uh, still being able to coach my kids with my AAU program, right legacy, still doing scholarships and being able to move around. So that's the best thing about it. But I will be doing something new and it will be kind of outside my comfort zone, but I'm ready for it. Man, that's dope. That's dope to hear. As long as you as long as you like it, I love it. Um, yes, sir. You got the Black Mamba shirt on. I got Kobe yeah, and man. Gigi's tribute behind me. Rest in peace to Kobe and Gigi. You got the 81 shirt on, too. That's hard. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, that's that's hard. Um, <laughs> you, you, are, you are a wing yourself, man. I would imagine you, you got to not only grow up in L.A. during Kobe's earlier years, during the three-peat, but then you got to face off and match up against Kobe you know, a, a decent amount of times because you had a long career yourself, man. Speak right. to what that was like to play against Kobe, to not even just play against Kobe, Kobe, but to grow up in L.A., watch man. what Kobe did with the first three-peat Lakers, and then now you're shortly after that coming into the league and facing off against them yourself. Man, it was super dope, man. It was just surreal when I got to the league. You know, I just watched this guy my whole high school career, uh, you try to mimic the things you see. Uh, you see the winning, the winning uh, championships back to back to back in LA. So you know you have so much respect for him because he's putting on for your city. You know. Yeah. So you know going out there and competing with him, people always want to know how was Kobe. How was Kobe? This how Kobe was. If he respect you, he'll talk to you. If he didn't respect you, he ain't gonna say, say nothing to you. Damn. The fact that I was young, you know, I was hungry. Every time I guarded him, you know, I challenged him. I tried to make it hard. You know, I gave him effort. And on the other end, I was trying to go at him as well. So he respect that. And, you know, ever, ever since we met, you know, that first time, you know, it was always respect. It was always love. So that was something I really appreciate, man. And, and I was able to build a little friendship with him. You know, right. it wasn't, you know, pick up the phone. I could just holler at Kobe. It could have been that if I wanted it to be like that, but – 
whenever I saw him, it was always love. We talk, you know, how you doing, how your family, all that. So right. uh, I always cherish those, those little small moments I had with him. Absolutely. Who would you say when you entered the league back in 2006 was like, was your big homie, was your OG that took you under their wing? And then to make this sort of a twofold question, once you became a vet, who was the young boy that you took under your wing um, that maybe played a similar role as your big homie did when you came into the league? Uh, well, when I came in, my, my two boys were D Wade and Quentin, Quentin Richardson. You know, I used to spend a lot of time in Chicago with those guys and I ended up naming my son after them. Like I gave them uh, both of the, their first names is my son middle name. So oh, that's hard. Yeah, man. So like that, that just shows you what type of humans those dudes were and what type of A1 stand-up guys they were, man. And just being role models and showing me the ropes, you know, teaching me stuff not not too many people teach you. The way to, you know, be professional, the way to dress, showing up on time, just the small things. And I always appreciate those guys, man. So those are my guys. And the people I kind of can say that, you know, I, I kind of helped out with would be like a Dame Lillard, yeah. a CJ, a Clay, a Steph. You know, all these guys I still have great relationships with, man. And 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 a Russell who we went to high school together with. And, and, and of course, my little brother, man. So right. my thing was always to be cool with those dudes, show them the ropes, and always be the guy that told them the real. Whenever they didn't want to hear, told them the real, how I felt and what was best for them. So uh, that's why, you know, when you see me doing a text message show and getting these guys, it's no problem for me to reach out to these guys. These are real friends. These are not people that I don't know. These are people that, you know, we broke bread together before or, you know, being at each other's homes, whatever yeah. it is. So, Facts. Yeah, so they, they just respect my grind. They respect how I was as a basketball player, how I was as a professional. And now I see them doing the same stuff. You yeah. know, uh, you know, dressing, you know, being professional, uh, being outgoing, you know, taking risks, you know, stuff like that. So uh, you love to see it. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. Um, I got just a couple more questions for you. One, um, the young boy Anthony Edwards got drafted yesterday and a lot of people are criticizing him because he came out and I, I'm, I'm saying this, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically came out and just didn't act like he was that passionate about basketball. And even to an extent that, you know, he might've even been a little bit more passionate about football, but basketball was probably just what he was best at. Um, I know in your case, you came straight out of high school. So up until like 11th grade, if I'm not mistaken, you were a baseball guy. Facts. And then I don't know what made the tide turn and Darrell Wright said, I'm going the basketball route, but that was your lived experience as well. So just kind of speak to your transition from baseball to basketball and should people be that critical of Anthony Edwards saying something like that, especially on draft day? <laughs> no, I, I think people shouldn't overreact. You know, he's a young guy. He's going to be making millions and he's going to be able to support his family still. And he's going to understand if I want to support my family, if I want to live this lifestyle, I have to put my all into the game. And, you know, scouts do a good job. They do their due diligence. You know, they talk to people. So they know more information than about him than anybody knows. Yeah. And, you know, I just feel like at some point, you know, that, that light's going to switch like it did for me. 
where I felt like I was just a better athlete in basketball. It was way more fun. It was way more cooler. Yeah. Uh, it was way more perks than baseball. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I love, I love this. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's still young, and I think he'll fall in love with the process and fall in love with being a pro. Absolutely. What do you think about, like, today's era where you got social media and you got all this stuff going on? Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero got down. And you are a former Heat guy yourself. Tyler Hero got down in the bubble. But I think they start calling him buckets or something to that magnitude. And then you had uh, Paul Pierce go on ESPN Countdown or whatever before the game. And he basically was telling folks, man, y'all got to pump the brakes calling this dude buckets. Like he, he averaged 11 throughout the season. And now he putting up 20 in the bubble. And all of a sudden, we calling the man buckets. Like, where do you fall kind of in that little back and forth? And I think Tyler Hero clapped back, him, clapped back at him a little bit, you know, within all, all within the fun of the game. But right. what do you feel about kind of how heightened things are now in comparison to somebody like maybe even a Paul Pierce's era where he's the truth. He's a Hall of Famer. And there's no way, in my opinion, Tyler Hero should ever have anything to say to Paul Pierce. Not yet, at least. Right. He's got a long way to go you know, yeah. based on kind of the back and forth they had. Yeah, it's just a new era, man. You know, people hype everything. Social media, you know, only tell you half of the story. And one of my friend, great friends, my one of my closest friends, Jack McClinton, told me, people like what they see, not what they know. So they don't know. Just like these other high school kids. Like, I was finally able to watch all these high school games uh, that came on ESPN. Yeah. I see all the highlights all the time. I was able to watch a full game. I'm like, yo, the highlights not matching the yeah. actual game. Like, it's a lot of gas going on, you know? So people just got to understand it. It's a lot of gas. That's how people, you know, become popular and have the big followings because one, two people can make you or fool you that this person is the greatest of all time. And you like, oh, yeah, damn, he is the greatest of all time. Yeah. And don't know, the, you know, don't know the work he's putting in. Don't You know what I mean? So. Right. I think people definitely overreacts a lot. I like Tyler Hero. I think he's going to be a, a great NBA player. I like Buckets. You know, he's a knockdown shooter. That's what he does. And he looks like he's fearless. He played for a great program. So I, I give him the love. He's a bucket for sure. Yeah, facts, facts. Um, obviously, you know, you acknowledge Clay Thompson being one of your young bulls. Again, let's send our, our shout-outs and our prayers out to him, you yeah. know, after dealing with such a tough injury yesterday. But – for me, it's a no-brainer. Steph and Clay, when they're out there on the floor together and healthy, best backcourt in the NBA, arguably the best backcourt ever. Um, you, you definitely can go that far. But now that Clay Thompson obviously will be out for this season, mm-hmm. you just had a move where Phoenix picked up Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. I would say before that move, and obviously, you know, without Clay Thompson, Damon CJ and Russ and Harden were kind of in the bubble, at least the teams that had the two best backcourts. I now think that the Phoenix Suns has the best backcourt in the NBA. Would you agree with that? (laughs) I agree with it because I'm not even looking at Chris Paul as a player. I'm looking at him as the mentor. Yeah. The the competitive nature he brings that he's about to get out of all those guys, especially Devin Booker. He's about to pull all that out of them. Like he's going to hold them accountable. Yeah. You know, he's going to kick him the ropes and he's going to put his arm around him when he needs that love, like, you know, that tough love. So I really, really like that move. Uh, I think, you know, shoot, we saw what they did in the bubble. 
unfortunately, they lost uh, Kelly Oubre, who was a big piece of that. But I think they're still in good hands, you know, with yeah. Aiden down there. Um, and with those two guys in the backcourt, I think I think they, they're going to have a great, great year. Absolutely. And, man, what, what would just be something inspiring that you would say to the youth? And it doesn't even have to be basketball specific, but I just like to always round out on, on some good game and good positivity. Um, so what's some what's some game that Darrell Wright has for the youth based on some of the stuff you see going on in society today? I would say the number one thing is keep grinding, keep dreaming big, you know what I mean? Uh, set goals and try to reach those and do stuff every single day to reach those goals. If you want to be an NBA player, you got to do something around basketball every day. You got to do something on your skill. You got to do something on your body because your body, you only get one body. Yeah. I tell my son this all the time. You get one body. Take care of it. Grind, work, whatever it is. You know, if you want to be an astronaut, if you want to be a doctor, whatever it is, make sure you're doing something skill-wise to that goal, you know? Yeah. So, get there you they, they write you oh yeah he's the next whoever whoever because you put the time in you put the work in yeah and you gotta have that grind you gotta have that grit absolutely absolutely hey, is this the first podcast that you got on since you retired yeah that's the first one damn it we had an exclusive interview ladies and gentlemen <laughs> d right man that's appreciate right. you dog for hopping on the wake up that's and win podcast with me for the listeners Y'all make sure that y'all go follow D Wright. Y'all make sure that y'all go check out the text message uh, talk show. Like I said, that's one of the top five concepts. Obviously, we've had concepts as massive as, oh, wait a minute. I do got one more question for you. But still speaking to the concepts, we've had concepts as massive as verses. We've seen what D Nice and people have been able to do, obviously, before the drama, Tory Lanes with Quarantine Radio. Um, so many people came up with so many, like, great ideas, and I've been seeing, like, the Webby Awards and all of that. But for me personally, your concept is right up there with the best of them. If Appreciate we're just purely to the content in particular. But, like I said, I can't let you off the hook without asking you about Versus, man. Gucci, right. what was your thoughts on what happened last night, man? I... <laughs> Jeezy won the battle as far as songs and material, but I think Gucci had him a little bit on like the, you know, the Debo, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I ain't forgot. I ain't yeah. no buster, you know. He was a little disrespectful a lot on there, you know what I mean? But that's Gucci, bro, you know what I mean? He's changed a lot after he got out his last time, and I'm pretty sure his, his queen he got, you know, really calmed him down, really let him see and understand the big picture, but Streetwise, Gucci won. <laughs> as you know, as the you know, yeah, the yeah, yeah. right, right, right. On the record, on wax, Jeezy for sure. Jeezy, yeah, for sure. Now nah, I agree, man. All right, man. Like I said, again, I'm gonna let you get back to it, man. Celebrate, kick your feet up, enjoy okay. retirement, man. I'm glad you were able to join us, man. Have a good one. And on that note, we're gonna leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. <laughs> <laughs>